a very new judge in Oklahoma, Tracy Soderstorm, has been brought before the Judicial Council for trial on a petition with multiple violations of the Judicial Code and the Oklahoma Constitution. Those violations include gross neglect of duty, gross partiality in office, oppression in office, and other grounds specified by the legislator. Those are the charges, if you will, on this petition. The allegations range from texting inappropriately during a murder trial, making fun of counsel, making inappropriate remarks, making inappropriate remarks on social media regarding cases she was overseeing, making inappropriate remarks from the bench to defendants, not actually being a judge and lacking any judicial temperament, as well as allegations of coercing male attorneys to sit for photos in a pink chair and then putting them up in chambers because she thought it would be funny. And then when these things were brought to her attention, it's alleged that she basically lied and complained to try to um, end run all of the responsibility that was coming her way, much like the meme of, look, here comes the consequence, 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 she, running as fast as she can and, and lying. The judge has responded, and there is now a second amended complaint, and we are going to go through today the responses and the second amended complaint. Welcome to The Emily Show. I'm Emily D. Baker, the internet's go-to legal analyst and big fan of the cursey words. I've been a licensed attorney for over 17 years. I'm a former prosecutor, and I break down the legal side of pop culture and entertainment stories we can't stop talking about. We should just get into it. Let's go. Respondent's answer to petition filed October 10th, 2023. Comes now the respondent texting judge. Count one admitted. Count one is that there is, paragraph one, there is authority. So when it matters, I'm going to go back and forth between the complaint and the answer because they're not going to respond all the way in um, what the first or second thing was. So the second thing that the judge is going to answer is responding to this from the complaint or the petition. I'm going to use petition and complaint synonymously throughout this because my brain is going to do that. The respondent, Tracy Soderstorm, not Storms Bedore, Soderstorm, is now and has been a district judge in Lincoln County in the 23rd Judicial District of Oklahoma, exercising judicial power under the provisions of the Constitution and statutes of the state of Oklahoma, and at all times, material to the allegations contained in the position. She was elected to the seat in November of 2022 and took the bench on January 9th, 2023, and was brought up on disciplinary actions on October 10th, 2023. Ten months. Ten months as a judge. I, I have questions about what she was like as an attorney. Her response, respondent texting judge, is without sufficient information to admit or deny the entire allegation as alleged, as respondent has not been provided with the Council on Judicial Complaints investigative file. Excuse me, I can't respond to this if you don't give me the file. I mean, I know you're just alleging that I was like elected, but I can't respond. But I can't respond. Oh my God. Excuse me, I can't respond because um, I don't have the file. 
Respondent will seek leave to amend the response once provided with the Council on Judicial Complaints investigative file. This is what they said. They said that she was a judge. She was a judge in Lincoln County when she was elected and when she took the bench. And she's like, I don't have enough information. I don't have enough information. Fuck off. We're at number two. This is 31 pages. Buckle up, law nerds, grab a snack. We're, we're, We're at number two and the texting judge won't admit when she was elected and when she took the bench because she doesn't have the file. Three, the uh, three from the complaint is the respondent is an elected judge and exercises judicial power under the Constitution and the statutes of the state. The response. Respondent is uh, without sufficient information to admit or deny the entire allegation is alleged because texting judge is not be provided with the file. Ma'am, I'm sorry. Do, do you not... Do you not know that your judicial authority comes from the Constitution? Are you confused? You need the investigative file to tell you where the judicial authority for you to, like, sit on the bench comes from. Mm -mm. She copy and paste that answer for four and for five. For six, the response is no response needed. Let's go to six and see what six says. Because... Her response to six was no response needed. Here's what the petition says for six. The respondent's conduct giving rise to these charges based on the report from the Council on Judicial Complaints is set forth below. Just admit it. Yes, they do set it forth below. No response needed. Even the response is snappy as fuck. Seven is the same response about not having the file. Eight is the same response about not having the file. Nine is the same response about having the file. Ten, eleven, same response about not having the file. Twelve is where it gets interesting. Let's go to the complaint on twelve. Here's the petition complaint. After publicly regarding the respondent's excessive phone use during trial, the respondent had the security camera moved where she could not be observed. When the camera was subsequently returned to its original location, a black box was inserted to block out the bottom half of the viewing area so respondent could not be seen. The blocking was eventually removed. That's 12. That's what the complaint says. This is her response on point 12. Respondent is without sufficient information to admit or deny needs the investigative file, will seek leave to amend. Respondent further states, when the security camera was initially removed, she was not aware of any publicity regarding alleged texting until the Lincoln County Sheriff, Charlie Daugherty, advised Daugherty, 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 one of those, advised respondent he had provided the security camera footage to the district attorney, Adam Painter, who then leaked the footage to reporter Nolan Clay. Mr. Painter had requested the courthouse security footage under the guise of an investigation and was provided the potential evidence without a warrant, court order, or subpoena. Sheriff Daughtry, we're going with that, like like Chris Daughtry from, from American Idol. That's what I'm going with. Sheriff Daugherty confirmed he routinely provided such potential evidence to the district attorney's office without a warrant, court order, or subpoena because Mr. Painter was, quote, a person of trust. 
Uh, excuse me. Excuse me, Judicial Council? The, sh- the sheriff fucked up. Your Honor, it's it's on the sheriff. It, it's not me. Like, they shouldn't be doing any of this. So. So. Uh, yeah. So, the judge has thrown the sheriff and the DA under the bus, rightly or wrongly. I don't know. There's more we need to know. But said, you can't just provide the DA with security camera footage. All right, 13. From the complaint, the pattern of conduct demonstrates respondents' gross neglect of duty. That's the pattern of, uh, listed above. The conduct further demonstrates respondents' lack of temperament to serve as a judge, undermining public confidence in the independence, integrity, and impartiality of and competence of the judiciary. And then it lists the canons of judicial conduct in the Constitution that violates, and then goes on to say the respondents' action giving rise to these charges appear more fully set below. The response to that is. Respondent is without further information, without the file. The same is responded to item 14. Item 15 is admitted. Item 15 is the state was represented by District Attorney Adam Painter and Assistant District Attorney Ryan Stevenson. The defendant, Kristen Marzell, was represented by uh, Velia Lopez and Greg Graves, Capital Trial Counsel for Oklahoma Indigent Defense. That was admitted. The next answer is going to throw more people under the bus. So let's buckle up. 16 says, four weeks prior to trial, the state filed a notice of endorsement of personal witness to include Dr. Ryan Brown, MD, as a witness. The defendant filed a Dauber motion. We're going to talk about that in a sec. The respondent did not hear the motion at a motion hearing on May 30th, 2023, and took the motion under advisement following the jury trial call docket. Uh, The motion is regarding whether or not the expert can be heard at trial. These are generally things you want as an attorney decided before you select a jury, because how you select a jury might shift based on who the witnesses are. And if you don't know if this witness will be admitted as an expert, then your case might change. So this is regarding the Dauber motion and the jury selection saying that the state filed and the respondent did not hear the motion. So that's item 16. Here's what the texting judge responded. First, I don't have the file, and I'll amend when I get the file. But respondent further advises that she was unable to address the Dauber motion prior to the jury trial beginning on June 7th, as she discovered in the late evening of June 2nd that the court clerk, Cindy Kirby, had tampered with the jury selection process. Who had jury tampering on their bingo card for this case? I didn't. The court clerk's name isn't even Becky. What What did Cindy do? What? Excuse me, Your Honor? What the fuck did Cindy do? Also, Your Honor, I have some questions. Here's my question. On June 2nd, 2023, you discovered that the court clerk, Cindy, was quote-unquote tampering with the jury selection process and you reported this to whom? Ma'am, as an officer of the state sworn to uphold the Constitution, who did you report that to? 
Who did you report it to? Why is this the first time we're hearing about this? What in the ever-loving fuck? I'm going to keep reading. Late in the evening on June 2nd, texting judge discovered, apparently, allegedly, that the clerk, Cindy, had tampered with the jury selection process by initially removing from the jury panel any potential jurors that resided in the Wellston area, removing a potential juror with the same last name as the co-defendant, You can't have someone on your jury that's related to you, ma'am. And removing a potential juror that the clerk court, damn it, the the court clerk was um, deemed to be, quote unquote, out, out there. Now, I will just say, if someone shows up to jury duty inebriated or under the influence in some way, the clerk who brings in the panel can excuse them for later service. It is within their discretion to do so. Does it happen often? No. But if it happens, can they say, okay, so um, we're not gonna, we're not gonna do this today. So we're gonna, we're gonna have you come back. Okay. Respondent was initially advised of the actions by her court reporter, and then the clerk confirmed her actions when confronted by the judge the evening of June 2nd. And then you did what? Judge was advised by Kirby, clerk, Cindy, that she had taken this action in previous cases. Okay. Generally, you wouldn't remove someone with the same last name, especially if it's common last name. You would bring the person in and ask, but okay. Respondent consulted with multiple judges on how to address the jury tampering issue. The judge brought the jury pool tampering issue to the attention of the administrator of courts, Jerry Askins, and was instructed not to use the term jury tampering. Judge was further instructed that it was her decision to strike the entire jury panel or reshuffle the jury pools for any trials currently set Ultimately, the entire jury panel was reshuffled and the removed jurors were returned to the jury pool. The clerk's office can shuffle the jury pool. They can't fuck with the jury, but before the veneer shows up, they there are there are things within their discretion that they're allowed to do, including excusing people for absences, um, excusing people who aren't needed. I imagine if somebody showed up uh, under the influence, they could, they could, they could remove them and be like, "I'm going to postpone your jury service to a different day." Things like that. They're allowed to exclude people who aren't properly subpoenaed. Things like that. But instead, the judge is like, "Okay, look, I didn't hear the motion because the court clerk reshuffled the jury panel." Ma'am, you talked to other judges about it, and then what happened? And then what happened? Uh, seventeen is the same response. I need the file and then I'll respond more once you give it to me. 18 is mostly similar. However, respondent will seek uh, leave to amend when provided with the investigative file. Respondent further advises, ma'am, who are you advising? The Council on Judicial Ethics? Okay. Respondent further advises, the issue of the court clerk's jury tampering actions was not fully resolved until a jury was finally seated in the trial 
in the late evening of June 7th. How did it resolve, ma'am? This goes on with the similar response for the next while where respondent is without sufficient information without the file and will amend on and on. Until we get to number 25, let's zoom, zoom the complaint to number 25. Quote, the respondent overruled the state's objection and swore the jury. So this is still on the issue of the state saying we need to have the Dauber motion ruled on about our expert before we swear the jury. And the judge is like, no, I'm swearing this jury. And the state objected and the judge was like, no, I'm swearing the jury. For all of you that have heard me talk about a judge that did not understand how peremptory challenges worked and me losing my ever-loving mind, being like, can you not swear the jury until we resolve this issue? And the judge is like, no, I'm swearing the jury. I'm swearing the jury. As a prosecutor, at that point, you're fucked. You can't appeal. You can't take it up on a writ. There, you're, there's nothing you can do. Jeopardy attaches and you were stuck. Nothing you can do. Which is why the prosecutor is like, time out, don't swear the panel. Let's fix this, fix this. Do not do not swear the panel, because once the panel is sworn, the prosecutor has no other option. Zero. So section 25, the respondent overruled the state's objection and swore the jury. Her response is, respondent further states that Dr. Brown was excluded from testifying as an expert as he had no testimony to offer that would assist the jury in determining any fact in dispute. His only testimony was that he believed the child's injuries were consistent with abuse, which was not a fact in dispute. Further, I forgot that the homicide case was regarding the death of a kid. Um, I didn't include that in my in my summary. Further, Dr. Brown was excluded from testifying as the district attorney had violated two prior discovery orders by the court related to identification and disclosure of witnesses. The district attorney had been consulting with Dr. Brown regarding the case since the summer of 2018. Then rule that before you swear the jury instead of acting like a petulant child and being like, I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to do. And then swearing the jury and being like, ha ha, fuck you. Does it feel personal? Does it feel like this judge does not like this prosecutor? A little bit to me. That's just opinion. But if you know this is happening in 2023, if you know this has been an issue since 2018, just rule on the motion then and just tell them no. Okay, tell them no. The judge continues on with these same... Um, I don't have sufficient information to respond until I have the investigative file until we get to item number 31. Item number 31 is continuing on with the judge texting. Let's give a little context. During opening argument, the judge continued to praise the defense attorney by texting her bailiff, can I clap for her? Referencing the DA's office, the respondent noted, they're not used to going up against competent attorneys, implicitly dismissing the capabilities of the state's attorneys and the defense bar. When the DA began to question witnesses, the bailiff texted, he's horrible, to which the respondent replied, true. The bailiff replied, sucks. There's four S's. While a video was being played to a witness on the stand, the respondent remarked to the bailiff, this shit is boring. Ma'am, you've been a judge for seven seconds and you're presiding over the homicide of a child. I, I'm sorry that you're not entertained. What did you think this job was? Being a judge is boring as fuck. It's, it has a ton of paperwork and a lot of decision fatigue. 
this shit is boring. Sorry. Uh, 31. While an interview was played, the bailiff mistakenly thought it was a video that the state had previously lost. Respondent texted, they didn't lose this one, but they should have. The bailiff replied, it doesn't help the state at all. To which judge affirmed by texting, nope. The judge's response to that is, respondent further states during the interview, the mother, Danker, co-defendant, admitted to beating the child with the murder weapon a short belt with a large belt buckle. You, you were paying attention to that? This is the testimony that's going on while you're gossiping with your bailiff? The mother further admitted that the defendant, Martzal, had not been alone with the child or ever hit the child. What does that have to do with anything? And it doesn't make your behavior any better. She, What I think she's trying to say is, yeah, but I was right. Like, the mom is the one at fault. Like, I don't think this defendant's guilty. That seems to be what she's trying to say. This goes on with her standard, I don't have enough information to respond until we get to item 34. Item 34 says, um, well, let's back up to item 33. The respondent later texted, quote, this is dumb during the state's direct exam of a wit examination of a witness. The bailiff replied, I just hope the jury doesn't buy his shit. The judge responded, he looks constipated. And is that the oh shit look? Well, is he constipated or is he sharding his pants? What is happening, Your Honor? Maybe focus on the, the evidence. Because if there's like an objection to the evidence, you're going to have to competently respond to that. And the only way you can competently respond to that is if you're actually listening with an open mind and you haven't made up your mind as to guilt or innocence. Your Honor. Item 34, the judge and bailiff refer to the co-defendant who was to appear as a witness as a liar at least three times while she is on the stand. Judge spent the majority of the co-defendant's testimony on her phone texting comments like, can I please scream liar, liar? We can go to Code Red. We can go to Code Red. Code Red is a, a delightful moment where we all say what the fuck together. I've granted the chat's motion for Code Red. We are going to Code Red. We are red. Chat, I will I will entertain a motion for audacity in a bit. I'm sure we'll get there. I'm sure we'll get right. Right now, we're at fuckery. We might get back to audacity. Maybe we'll just go full Christmas and do red and green for both fuckery and audacity. Maybe we'll get to both. So we're in the middle of this trial. The judge has lost all objectivity. The judge has... a. Uh, the judges determined that the witnesses are liars, and then they start talking shit about somebody's hairline and joking about whether they're wearing a wig or not. Ma'am, there's a lot of reasons people might wear a wig. Let's uh let's uh let's not. So the further information that the judge would like to add to the item 34 response is that the mother, Danker, admitted multiple times to lying while on the witness stand. Excuse me, judicial counsel. Like, I wanted to scream liar, liar, but like, uh, she's totally a liar. And like on the stand, she admitted to lying. So like, what is the problem? Item number 35 is admitted. 35, when a police officer took the stand, respondent texted, he's pretty, I could look at him all day. To which the bailiff replied, same, lol. To this item, the judge just admitted it. 
I don't need the investigative file. I still stand by it. I still stand by it. He's pretty. Your Honor, the fuck? That is the, that is the moment. That is the moment that the judge was like, admitted. Everything else. I need the investigative file. I don't have enough information to respond. Oh, he's pretty. Yep. Admitted. 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 So yes, what this judge admitted to was when a police officer took the stand, respondent texted, he's pretty. I could look at him all day. To which the bailiff replied, same LOL. I wish I could say that this was the first female judge that I have seen objectify officers when they are in court. It is not. It can be tremendously uncomfortable in court when it happens. And most of the officers try to just laugh it off and be like, that was weird. So, yep, that's what she chose to admit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Ma'am. Well, if you can admit that, why do you need the investigative file to answer the rest of this? We're at item 39. She has more she would like to add. We're still in this same murder trial in the allegations. Later, this is item number 39 from the complaint. Later, the respondent offered her opinion to the bailiff that, quote, DNA excluded um, Marzel on the bed. No way they get guilty on murder. So that is the judge's statement to the bailiff stating an impression of guilt or innocence before a jury has reached a verdict. She would like the judicial counsel to know in responding to that that the DNA evidence specifically excluded Mr. Martzall from the murder weapon. But her response reads, but was I wrong, though? Well, you're texting about the bed, and the bed's not the murder weapon, but okay. She then goes back to, I don't have the file, I can't respond for a number of items. We're going to zoom, zoom until we get to the next one where she would like the judicial counsel to know more. We are now at item 80. So we're going to have to zoom, zoom a little bit. We've gone 40 items down. We're into another part of the complaint on item 80. Uh, we're going to back up just a little bit. Defendant, no, sorry, respondent judge instituted a policy that all plea paperwork must be completed with a copy delivered to her chambers no later than Friday before the Tuesday disposition docket. The... Lincoln County OIDS attorney Thompson mentioned to the judge that it was a hardship for him to prepare and deliver out-of-custody plea paperwork on the Friday before the disposition docket. The judge responded, it's not you I'm worried about, it's the DAs. They have given me reason in the past to not trust them. Item 80 says, Melissa Missy Johnson is employed by the Oklahoma County Services as a coordinator based in Lincoln. Respondent has stated to other people in the courthouse that she does not believe anything Missy Johnson says. So this is a complaint that the judge has talked about other employees and been like, I don't believe them at all. Item 80. Respondent further states that Ms. Johnson has previously submitted altered drug test results to the court as evidence resulting in a defendant's suspended sentence being revoked and the defendant being sent to prison. Ma'am, that's a crime. What did you what did you do to report it? If you're telling me that Ms. Johnson submitted altered drug test results, wh what did you do with that information? She's like, well, I don't trust her. Cause uh cause 
because she did this. Some dude got sent to prison because she submitted altered drug test results. And then what did you do to resolve that situation? Because if there's fuckery, dude shouldn't be sitting in prison. Right? What? That's a big allegation to leverage at somebody. She's like, yeah, I, I don't believe anything Missy says. Respondent further testified to the counsel that she's made unkind comments about Ms. Johnson to the, plaint to the plaintiff, and she has concerns about Johnson's credibility. Mm -hmm. Respondent sought advice from other judges in the courthouse on how to get Johnson removed from her courtroom because she, quote unquote, wants her gone. On August 22nd, 2023, respondents screamed and pointed her finger at Missy Johnson in front of her supervisor, Tiffany Karam, because Missy Johnson assisted the court clerk in entering a court minute order at Judge Mueller's request for a case assigned to Judge Mueller. Judge Mueller revoked a defendant's pretrial release bond because the defendant violated the terms of pretrial release. Subsequent to the defendant being remanded back to custody, respondent contacted the clerk, demanding to know who authorized the revocation. So that is the end of that scenario. We are going to zoom, zoom a little bit to item 82, which is what we were just reading from the complaint. The judge further states that Ms. Johnson has informed the court that she was not required to provide defendants with notice or due process regarding matters pending before the court. Ma'am, and what did you do then? If you have somebody being like, due process, what's that? What action did you take? Because using it, using somebody else's alleged bad behavior to be like, but I'm fine, is really not what we need to be doing. This is about you. If someone else is fucking up and like denying due process, what have you done to protect the defendant's rights as the judge? This judge is like, throwing spaghetti against the wall of allegations. She's like, you think I'm bad? Listen to what all these motherfuckers are doing. Ma'am. Continuing on, Judge Mueller is now up for being thrown under the bus. The judge said that she advises that on August 22nd, 2023, while addressing a guardianship, respondent discovered that Judge Mueller routinely revoked defendants' bonds without a hearing or a request from the state of Oklahoma in violation of the defendants' due process rights. Further, respondent was advised by Johnson that Judge Mueller has delegated to Ms. Johnson the authority to determine if a bond should be revoked and is allowed to instruct the clerk's office uh, of the bond's revocation in violation of due process and Judge Mueller's judicial responsibility. Excuse me. Excuse me, judicial counsel? Let me tell you what Judge Mueller's up to, because if you have problems with me, Judge Mueller is literally violating people's rights. I mean, I never seemingly reported it to anyone or never brought it up, but now that I'm in trouble, all you bitches are going down with me. Immediately. This judge is going to burn the entire courthouse to the ground. She's like, I'm taking everybody with me. You want to know about Judge Mueller? Let me tell you what. These, these coworkers are not going to be thrilled. I can only imagine what is happening in conversations among members of the bar in Oklahoma. Lawyers in Oklahoma, y'all all right? You okay? What is happening? Who's practiced before this judge? 
look, look, I need to just reach out to me anonymously. I have so many questions. I have so many questions. I wouldn't, I wouldn't wanna know what when when Judge Mueller read this, the res- I need to know the response. Cause I've told you the story about two judges in the courthouse where I used to work fighting over a district attorney's appearance. I was just talking about this at at Christmas dinner with my friends. I was like, do you remember when this happened? They're like, yeah, I'm like, okay, good. It wasn't a fever dream. Um, They both needed a particular DA to appear in their court. And they were yelling down the hallway at one another because there were courtrooms and then a back hallway. And one of the judges came into the other judge's courtroom while that judge was on the bench, which is like a huge breach of protocol. Um, and and somewhat disrespectful. Came in, unless it's like an emergency, came into the other judge's uh, court courtroom and was like, I need this attorney in my courtroom. You can't just keep this attorney here. The judge that was being petty had ordered the DA to stay because once that DA went to another courtroom, then the judge whose courtroom he was in, his calendar was going to take longer. Everybody's trying to get done by lunch, right? Everybody wants to get done. They're like, if this DA walks out of this courtroom, I'm not getting them back till 2 p.m. And then my day gets fucked and I'm not letting my day get fucked. They're here. I'm ordering you to stay here. The other judge is like, you can't just order them to stay here. Your cases aren't ready. I need this DA to finish up my cases. So I need the DA down the hall. You can't just order him to stay here. And the DA is just like, hi, I have a lot of cases today, holding all their case files. And the judge who had ordered the DA to stay said to the other judge, what are you going to do about it? Get on a chair and fight me? The judge he was yelling at was like five foot three. Um, So that, that happened. Do judges go at each other? Yes. Do they bump up against one another's stuff? Yes. But I was in court like, oh my God, oh my God. What are you going to do? Get on a chair and fight me? Damn. We went to lunch that day. I was like, what is happening? And then I got the regaled with these two fighting about other things. But especially when they are partner courtrooms, if they share attorneys and one judge hogs the attorneys all morning, then the other judge's calendar gets fucked because they don't have any attorneys to run their cases and they're sitting around twiddling their thumbs until 11 a.m. And then they're like, I can't finish my calendar just because you want to be done at noon. So there's a lot of tension or can be a lot of tension when judges don't work well together because they can very much impact each other's time. Who won? We all won because it was a, it was a spectacular day at court and they were pissed at somebody other than us. So when they're pissed at each other, I'm like, ah, I'm so glad it's not me. I'm so glad it's not me. So there is, there can be lots of struggle between judges. When judges work together well, they work together brilliantly. When they don't work together well, these types of things bump up, especially if they're perceived to be fucking with each other's schedule. I've had judges order me to stay. Like, you cannot go over to that court. You cannot go over to that court. You're, you're staying here until the cases are done. I'm like, they're calling for me. It's like, I don't give a fuck. You're ordered to stay. It's like, damn it. I don't want to get held in contempt. But also, I don't want to... Your Honor, please don't make me the middle. I don't want to be the chew toy in this situation. It happens. It happens. It happens. So, we are now to the judge. Who is the judge thrown under the bus? Are we keeping score? This judge has thrown the court clerk's office under the bus an attorney under the bus, another judge under the bus. She's admitted to thirsting over 
one of the law enforcement officers without needing to review the file. Let's see who else gets thrown under the bus shot. Oh, oh, and the the defendants. She was like, uh, uh, but are we wrong? So we are now to item number 86. We are still arguing about what Judge Mueller is up to. This is now a meeting dealing with what was happening. The complaint petition says at the meeting, texting judge told the attorneys that she could not accept the plea because she reviewed the underlying VPO and did not believe it was still in effect, even though it had been ordered to remain in effect in a companion domestic matter, the protective order. She has something to say about that. She doesn't need to review the file for it. Texting judge further advises that she discovered that judicial officers were not following the law related to granting or denying victim protective orders, including entering a temporary victim protection order and never holding a final hearing or entering a final order. Excuse me, judicial counsel, all these fuckers are doing it wrong and never holding a final hearing or entering a final order. Respondent further discovered judicial officers were allowing litigants to utilize the victim protection order statutes as a weapon in domestic litigation where they were not factually or legally supported, and the district attorney's office was filing felony charges for alleged violations based on invalid temporary protection orders. Your Honor, they're just like granting victim protective orders and weaponizing them. And all the other judges are doing it wrong, and I'm doing it right. And based on everything else I'm seeing from this judge, I have a really hard time believing that this judge is the only one in the entire courthouse doing it right. And if, if this is happening in a courthouse, A, it needs to be reported, B, it needs to be escalated, and C, the defense attorneys can also start to appeal things and be like, this is what's going on in this courthouse, and it's a violation of process. But she can't just sua sponte be like, no, I'm not doing anything about it. Let's get to the next additional information that this judge would like to share with the Judicial Council. Um, we are going to get to the issues of what this judge was posting on Facebook and whether or not a judge has a right to talk about cases that they're working on on Facebook. The hearing on the state's notice, this is from the complaint, to introduce gang evidence and the defendant's objection was continued till April 10th, 2023. Later that same day, respondent judge published on a Facebook group, published on Facebook to a group called Girl Attorney OK. Not like, yay, yay, OK, but like, Oklahoma. <laughs> Girl Attorney, Oklahoma. Quote, note to future self. Calling motorcycle gangs stupid and juvenile to a room full of gang members may get you on a hit list, end quote. You guys, she's edgy. And later responded to her own post saying, quote, one of these days I'll learn to be judicial, end quote. Yep, that's me. You want to know how I got here? It's it, The meme writes itself. <sighs> One of these days, I'll learn to be judicial. Ma'am, you're not going to have to. You're not going to have to. The Judicial Council is going to just, they're going to take that right off your plate. You can go back to posting on Facebook. Mm -hmm. Let's see what she has to say about item number 101 in her response. Item number 101 in his response. Respondent admits to making the Facebook post on, on March 24th. She's like, yeah, I said what I said. <laughs> 
What's I was being cheeky. What? Also, part of the problem with the judge being like, hey, um, calling gangs stupid and juvenile to a room full of gang members. Part of the problem with that is that she had not ruled on the motion about whether gang evidence was going to be admitted in a particular case, which means for this case that she was hearing, it had not been determined that this particular motorcycle club was or was not going to be considered a gang. So part of the issue is not just that she's posting about an active ongoing case, but part of the issue is that she is um, she is pre-ruling on a case that she has not yet ruled on by saying um, there are a bunch of gang members. Well, you haven't determined that yet. That has to be determined by evidence. So that is part of the issue with her Facebook post. What? I'm so, I'm an, you guys, I'm not like a regular judge. I'm like a cool judge, like, like a TV judge. Look, ma'am, TV judges aren't actually judging. All the participants are paid and they waive their rights. You are not on television. She continues to say that she needs the investigative file until we get to item 106. More fuckery on Facebook. We're, we're going we're gonna to back up to item number 105. After disconnecting a call with Banner to call the judge back with the names, the bailiff called Banner a second time to inform him that the in-camera request would be taken up April 10th, 2023 at 9 a.m. and that he should bring a written motion on the Rule 15 request and that all previous orders in the case were stayed. The attorney clarified that under Rule 15, future proceedings were stayed, to which the bailiff said no. All of her orders, including the bond, are stayed. The attorney concluded that respondent had predetermined she would not grant the in-camera request based on the statement. Item number 106 says shortly after the attorney contacted the chambers, she learned her post on the Girl Attorney OK Facebook group had been shared with him. Judge published and a subsequent post that she was removing herself from the group. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, this is the type of judge that needs to go into a Facebook group to announce, judges aren't supposed to be in Facebook groups, to announce that she is leaving. She must be a delight on the internet. I have to tell you guys that I'm out. Thank you. This is not an airport. Um... She was removing herself for the group because someone shared one of my posts outside this group. Apparently, this is not a safe place for a judge to be human. What had happened was that the defense attorney, let's just back up a little bit. The defense attorney was made aware of the Facebook post. The defense attorney asked for an in-camera motion, and the defense attorney was concerned that the judge had determined that the motorcycle club was a gang and had been calling them a gang when it hadn't been ruled on whether or not they would be deemed legally a gang for the case that they were involved in. So the Facebook post is the judge pre-ruling on a motion that was pending. And that's why all of this came up. And then the judge was like, you guys told on me. How did this dude learn about my post in the Girl Attorney OK Facebook group? <laughs> You can't say anything on the internet. So let's see what else the judge has to say about that, shall we? Respond admits to making the Facebook post and removing herself from the Facebook group on March 27th. The things this judge is choosing to admit are baffling to me. 
I said what I said. The judge was like, I said what I said. The problem for me, one of the problems for me, is that the judge is missing the fucking point. The point's not that she said something on Facebook. The point is that you predetermined whether or not this motorcycle club would legally be determined a gang. And then the defense attorney was like, um, so I guess you're ruling against me on this ruling. Can we have an in-camera hearing? And the judge was like, no, give me the names of who showed you this Facebook post. I want the names. Who snitched on me? The judge was like, it's not an issue of prejudging the evidence. It's an issue of snitches. Snitches on Facebook. Good God. So the judge is like, yeah, I, I made the Facebook post. I said what I said. Um, I guess I can't be human. Ma'am, you know who you can talk to about your cases real safely? Um, other judges and your therapist. Chat, as always, you're flawless with your timing. Lanny said, name them. Name them. And from the complaint, I, I didn't reread this because this has aired. Um from the petition complaint, the judge said, after speaking with the judge, the bailiff called the defense attorney and said, judge wants names. She wants to know where you got that information from. Was it Rachel? The bailiff called the defense attorney and said, name them. Name them. Name them. Was it Rachel? I bet it was Rachel. Did Rachel tell you? Referring to Assistant District Attorney Rachel Thompson, the defense attorney confirmed that Rachel was the one person was one person that provided the information to him, but not the only person. Name them. And I love that they're like, I bet it was fucking Rachel, wasn't it? Dude, if it was Rachel, the district attorney, who saw the judge make an inappropriate remark in a Facebook group, good on the DA for bringing it to the attention of the defense attorney, who's probably not in the Facebook group, and being like, you need to know that this happened. That's what ethical behavior looks like. And the judge is like, name them. Who snitched on me? Your Honor, your behavior is the problem, not the fact that they told the defense attorney about your behavior. That's the least of your worries. <sighs> so we get to item 115 after they're arguing about Rachel, and then they need to have a hearing about the Facebook post and Rachel, the judge inquired of Judge Kirk how to handle the request to make a record of an in-camera proceeding. In-camera means in chambers. The judge advised to allow the court reporter and to be consistent between the in-camera and courtroom request before hearing the in-camera request. Respondent told Judge Kirk she was going to deny the request. Item 115, respondent was provided a copy of the criminal bench book at the 2022 Judicial College, Section 37.1 of the Criminal Bench Book provides a checklist for many issues related to court reporters and specifically recites 20.0.S, I said that word, 20.0.S, Section 106.4, which provides that the refusal to permit or require statements to be taken down and transcribed by court reporter is a denial of due process. So the judge is like, this can be off the record, and the attorneys are like, the fuck it can. The judge says that she is without sufficient information to respond, but will seek leave to amend um, on that issue. Oh, it was the one above, 115. Respondent further states issues related to recusals are contained in District Court Rule 15, and there is no reference to Title 20 OS 1064 or the use of court reporter during an in-camera hearing. So the court's like, actually, Rule 15 doesn't say that. Judicial counsel. And they're like, we gave you the rules at Judicial College. 
were you not paying attention? What were you doing during judicial college? Moving on to item 124, more Facebook fuckery. In the middle of this hearing, we are now still talking about the motorcycle club. Four other people in the room recounted that the details of the defendant's association in the motorcycle clubs was explained to her and their concern that the Facebook post presented an issue with respect to her ability to be fair and impartial in their case. All four further recounted that the respondent denied the request to recuse herself from the case during the in-camera request because she stated she did not know their clients and had not made any specific comments about those clients, so there was nothing to suggest and she could not that she could not be fair and impartial. So other defense attorneys who had defendants who were part of the motorcycle club came to this judge and were like, we need you to recuse yourself off of this case made on statements that you've made on Facebook saying that you believe that this motorcycle club is a gang. You have made a legal and factual determination without us presenting our case. So item 122 says the judge's denial of the request is evidenced by the defendant's filing motions to recuse. After conferencing with Judge Turner at the judicial conference mid-July, respondent filed a recusal in both cases in August. So the judge was like, yeah, uh, my bad. Then we get to item 124. Since taking the bench on January 23rd, judge has published various posts on Facebook in direct contravention of the advice presented to her at the 2022 Judicial College. On January 24th, 2023, respondent published to Facebook, quote, blooper of the day, defendant on a motion to revoke. I test positive for marijuana, but I have my card. Clueless judge, is that even allowed? DA and defense counsel in unison, no, it is not. My bailiff, laughing hysterically, I need to read the marijuana laws, end quote. You guys, I'm quirky. I don't know. Is marijuana legal in my state or not? Can I, can I, can I spark one up at a dinner party? Also Sutton. How many references are we going to get to the, uh, to the, uh, Royal Housewives of Beverly Hills today? She's like, can we just have like a marijuana dinner? What, what, I guess, I guess I should like, you guys, I guess I should know the law. Defendant, I tested positive for marijuana, but I have my card. Can you do that? You guys, it's quirky. I posted it on Facebook. The fuck? It's so bad. Only 47 days before publishing the post, Judge had received training at the 2022 Judicial College about having issue, about issues with judges using social media and admonished them to refrain from this type of activity. On March, on March 7th, 2023, defendant judge published to Facebook that she, quote, filled in for another judge and did my first domestic docket today. Chat for a domestic docket. Um, you are dealing with all domestic violence cases. So, you know, cases that deserve like serious and solemn consideration. The judge said, finally, a subject I completely understand and can't possibly screw up, exclamation point. Not sure if everybody would agree, but I think I passed. Quotation, end quotation. The counsel interpreted this to mean she agreed or believed that she had screwed up other cases. Ma'am, being incompetent is not a personality trait. It's not cute. It does not make you interesting. This whole, like, I'm just a girl situation on Facebook is offensive. It's appalling. And how do you have any respect for yourself, your job, or or, or your, your entire career? 
you're a professional on the bench in charge of people's lives, their freedom, their liberty, and their constitutional rights. And you're like, <laughs> I didn't screw this one up today. That's great. You are a criminal judge. What? I don't even know why you would make posts like that. Like, what validation do you need? Also, if you need that much validation from social media, perhaps a therapist at this point. I'm just saying. A therapist. To, to have a conversation about why you are seeking validation from the internet about being adorably incompetent in a very serious profession. Mm. Respondent further states that she admits to making the Facebook post on January 24th, 2023. She's like, I said, I said what I said on Facebook. This is what she's admitting. The Facebook post and that she was thirsting for a, a, a cop. She's admitted these things. She continues to maintain that she needs the um, investigative file. But as to item 126, she admits to making the Facebook post on March, on March 7th. She admits to making the Facebook post on March 15th. She's like, no, no, all, you've read that correctly. All those Facebook posts are mine. Respondent further states that Associated District Judge Sheila Kirk has jurisdictional authority to hear felony cases. She's admitted that another judge has the authority. Okay. She continues to say that she needs to see the investigative file. We're not done yet. We're on to item 136. We've moved on a little bit. The section of the petition we're in now is responsibility to decide. And we are at... Just kidding, I misspoke. It jumped. We are now in misapplication of Sixth Amendment and state statutes. Item 136. On January 17th, 2023, defendant Cullum appeared before respondent judge on a felony disposition in case number. The defendant appeared without an attorney because her lawyer was arrested and detained in the Lincoln County Jail. I remember this. And I was like, what is happening? We didn't look into it further, but I remember the defendant's like, excuse me, um, I have a lawyer, but my lawyer is like not here because she's in jail. Although her attorney was not scheduled for the docket that day, texting judge had her brought from the jail to the full courtroom for the docket on which her client was appearing. After satisfying her concern about whether the attorney maintained any client funds that could be returned to the defendant, court stated to the defendant, you are out and on bond, and so you do not qualify for indigent defense attorney at this point in time. If you wish to qualify for indigent defense, show back up on January 31st at 9.30, and you will be placed back in custody where you will qualify for, essentially, the public defender's office. Do you understand? So she told a defendant, you don't have an attorney because your attorney's in jail, but we're not going to appoint you a public defender because you're not in jail. So if you would like to go to jail, then I'll give you a public defender. That is not how that works. Plenty of people are out of custody and qualify for services of the public defender. Just because you're not in jail doesn't mean you can afford a lawyer. This... <clears throat> the defendant returned to court on February 21st, 2023 without an attorney, and the judge stated that it was not her practice to give someone that is out on bond a state-appointed attorney. The judge said, quote, if you are out, you are capable of working and hiring an attorney. The judge added that if she was out on bond, she was capable of coming up with the money to get out of jail. That doesn't mean you can afford an attorney. But she has more to say about this in her response to the Judicial Council. And the Judicial Council is like, that's not how you determine whether someone qualifies 
for representation by a public defender. Whether or not they are in custody is irrelevant. Judge did contact the Oklahoma Bar Association about how to address Campbell's clients that were scheduled to appear on the docket. The respondent was advised by the Oklahoma Bar Association that Ms. Shelley Levesey was attempting to manage the cases of criminal defendants represented by Campbell. Levesey did not appear on the docket wherein Cullum was set. Excuse me, Judicial Counsel. I contacted the Bar Association and said, this lawyer's in fucking jail. What do I do? And then they're like, um, another attorney is working on it. And it doesn't mean she doesn't qualify for the public defender. <sighs> Ma'am. Let's see what else she would like the counsel to know. As to item 147, she again says no response necessary. I just want to see what item 147 is. Um, item 147 is the list of witnesses that will appear before the court or the counsel, the judicial counsel, to uh, testify. And it is a list of lawyers and judge and court staff that is quite long. It's quite, it's pages long. As to 148, and 148 is what they are asking for an immediate temporary suspension. Petitioner alleges that the circumstances giving rise to the foregoing facts against texting judge are in grave danger of continuing. There is no evidence the texting judge will voluntarily cease and desist in the performance of those matters which gave rise to this petition. There is an existing emergency justifying the trial division of the court on the judiciary of the state of Oklahoma to temporarily suspend respondent from office pending the determination of the proceedings in this action. Great. Great and irreparable harm and injury will occur if respondent is allowed to continue in the capacity of judge. Her response to that is, um, respondent further states that upon receiving the petition on October 10th, 2023, respondent voluntarily suspended herself on the same day. Excuse me? <clears throat> I suspended myself. So, you can suspend me. So, apparently, the judge is suspended because she has uh, su suspended herself. <laughs> Did she just stop showing up at work? What happened? Did she stop showing up at work? Yes, to the chat. Ashley's like, you can't fire me. I quit. <sighs> oh, my God. I wonder if she literally just stopped showing up. Item 151 is the last item here that is no response necessary. This matter is referred to the trial division of the court on the judiciary of the state of Oklahoma. Okay. No response necessary. So that is the, uh, that is the response of the texting judge. There is an updated petition. <clears throat> the updated petition, from what I have seen, filed on October 30th, contains the note at the very end of the petition. Let's go all the way to the end of this petition. Contains a note that the judge is, in fact, suspended. So let's get to the updated relief requested in the updated the updated petition filed on December 11th. What day is it today? December 14th. So this was just filed. Relief requested. The petitioner alleges that the above enumerated acts by the texting judge warrant discipline by the court on the judiciary is authorized by the statutes and the Constitution. The petitioner respectfully requests that the court on the judiciary enter an order removing the judge from office as a judge um, with disqualification 
to hold any judicial office in the state of Oklahoma. So they have updated their response. Immediate temporary suspension. This item is now moot as a respondent has given written notice filed on October 10th of her voluntarily voluntary temporary suspension. So they have gone above and beyond to say, yes, yes, we would like to permanently disqualify this person from being a judge. This is not them seeking her disbarment. This is the Judicial Council seeking to remove her as judge. Could there still be actions against her license as an attorney? Yes. Is that what this procedure is? No. This is to remove her permanently as a judge. Absolutely fucking wild and unhinged behavior. The things that that you think you're never going to see that come to light. I'm glad that the media picked this up because otherwise we may never know that this was going on. It just, between Girardi and Murdaugh and Sandstorm or whatever her last name is, I, um, Solderstorm, apology, Solderstorm, I, uh, I am concerned for the well-being of my profession. I identify as a YouTuber, not a lawyer. I think there 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 might be more ethical behavior. I don't know. Where has more fuckery occurred? I have questions. Where is more fuckery occurring? On YouTube? At social media? Or in some of these fucking courts? Girardi. It, it, we've got to get to the competency uh, procedures soon. Uh, there isn't a ruling on that yet, but there's more. But the amount of legal fuckery that we have covered is so beyond appalling. And there is a standard of ethics. There is exams. There is school. I mean, most people can pick up a camera and be on social media. And so when they make bad choices, sometimes you're like, uh, I need you to know better. But I I get that you're learning. Once you have become a judge, I feel like you should already know what your ethical obligations are and take those seriously. You can stay up to date with everything I'm covering on our free iOS and Android app at lawnerdapp.com or search your app store for Lawnerd. And you can also follow me on social media at the Emily D. Baker. Remember, I stream on YouTube on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I recap all of that for you in quick bits on Monday. And of course, The Emily Show drops on Wednesdays. Thanks for being a Lawnerd.